Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. You know, generosity and giving, they're two things, that two words that should go hand in hand. Yet as Jesus followers, so often we don't see those things naturally flow out of us. We think what we have is ours, and we think what we have we're going to keep. Yet God blesses us not to increase our status of living, but to increase our status of giving. And that often then increases our status of living, but it's all being driven by our giving and our generosity. And why is that so important? Because if we are controlled by our stuff, it becomes our God. But if we are generous with our stuff and none of it we hold on to tightly, God can use it to do so much better. And today we partnered up with Helping Hands Charitable. They're a supporter of I Work For Him, but they're also an organization that around this nation is making a huge huge difference in helping people to maximize their giving and minimize their taxation and they do super creative stuff we got dan baker here he's hosting us here in sarasota dan baker welcome back to i work for him hey it's great to be with you guys glad we're in florida and not in the 110 degree uh, desert of california like last time dan helping hands charitable you yes. guys are making an impact all over the country yes what is What's one thing that you guys do to help organizations be more generous? I uh, love that question. So uh, one of the, the biggest things that we do for organizations is that we, we help them be intentional and create methods and systems to be intentional of, about creating generosity within the community that we call their workplace. Um, so many times it's accidental, right? Somebody comes and asks for uh, assistance with something. What we do is we actually create a structure whereby everything is intentional and it, and it happens on purpose. Uh, and uh, then those employees can take that back to their own communities and their own homes. So what does that look like? Yeah, what do you mean being intentional? Picture. Yeah. How so, do they do that? So a lot of times what we found at, at, about 12 years ago is when we originally started the program, the corporate assistance program, okay. which is which is really what we talk about a lot, right? Um, and uh, it came out of a, a need uh, because we were finding that in the workplace environment, let, let's say Mary, I always like to use the, the name Mary. <laughs> Mary works on the line and she had a, uh, an accident or something and she needed some That's financial terrible. assistance, right? So she typically goes to her peers in her direct department. Well, um, ultimately that affects productivity and, and that kind of stuff because now people are distracted. They're worried about Mary. Mm-hmm. What, we, what we do is we go back to the leadership level and we say, let's create a program by which the whole community of your employee base knows that there is help if it's needed. And all they have to simply do is apply for a grant. Now we've taken that worry, that concern, they know it's already going to be taken care of because it's something that we've built, we've advertised, we've talked about. It becomes part of the culture. And so you can help any organization set up that kind of structure. I sure can. Helping Hands Charitable is the name of the organization, hhcharitable.org. Dan, you brought us down here to Sarasota, yeah. up here to Sarasota, from anywhere in Sarasota. <laughs> and and you, brought some, you brought some friends with you today. Yes. Why don't you introduce your friends today? Yes. So I have Asad Faraj, and he is from uh, the Fort Myers area, and he is a financial services specialist, and he walks out 
his faith in an amazing way. Spends tons of time in ministry work and missions. And you guys just needed to hear his story. And my, my good friend Brian Yost with City Commit right here in Sarasota in our backyard. Uh, they hold over 50 groups every month uh, occurring around the area where, where leaders and business guys come together and, and worship together and just grow in relationships. So tell us at what point in time in your life did you make that connection between your faith and your work? Yeah, it was, that's interesting because I, I out of college, I I became a, a, a running manufacturing plant at an early age from 22 to 25 years old. But the other side of my story is I'm a prodigal. And so uh, there was uh, five years where I uh, actually lost my faith. Not lost, but I, I journeyed away from God for a while. He didn't journey away from me. I journeyed away from him. And so I didn't have it at that point. It actually is when I became a lead pastor that I think that I, uh, we would have 70 to 90 men on Wednesday mornings and I would teach what was called men's fraternity. And most of the men in that room uh, were small businessmen and, and some were CEOs of large companies. And that's when I probably came to the conclusion that this, this, um, this veil that we often put between sacred and secular needed to be brought down. And, um, Come on, torn. Come on, Jesus tore the veil. I, you could say it that way as well, more emphatically. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So uh, that's probably, it's in, ironic. I that, wish our listeners could have seen your face, Brian, because it's so true. Um, but that, that sacred-secular divide, exactly. it, it, was, it was created by religious people. Right. So when exactly. you saw that need, how did that change how you <laughs> were ministering to these men? Yeah. So, I, you know, because of my business background and uh, it being a Christ follower in the Christian setting in many different ways, I didn't intentionally think about what that ministry looks like in the workplace until I, I saw, man, the ministry to these men, to our church, and what we began seeing in the church because we were reaching so many men, mm-hmm. it began, began to change the dynamics of marriages and our church and serving and tithing then take it out into the workplace. Mm. And so my, many of my meetings were in their boardrooms. It was, it was in the marketplace where I, I really started to sense this whole move toward the ministry in the marketplace, which is wherever we put our feet is where the kingdom of God is. So Asad Faraj, tell us, how did you become, you got an interesting um, cultural background. You, you said 25% Lebanese, mm-hmm. 50% Chaldean. Mm-hmm. From like where Abraham came from, the Ur of the Chaldees, you got some serious Middle Eastern background. What's yeah. the other 25%? Armenian. Armenian. Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. So, all That's right. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So, tell us how'd you become a Jesus follower? Because those areas aren't known for, you know, developing a lot of Jesus followers. Yeah. So, first of all, I'm grateful to be here, grateful to be anywhere. If we open the lines, just ask everybody, do you feel like you're blessed to be alive? Everyone's got a story. And my story is I was born in Basra, Iraq. And we left when I was four, thank God. So twice my dad risked our lives to get us out of there. And then from Tripoli, Libya, we got out of there. But anyway, looking back historically, it was December of nine. It was, uh, it was um, uh, the year that Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And then that war, Desert Storm, began. Sure, that was the year I turned 18. Mm. And in the country I was born, there was a little law on the land that once you turn 18, you, you're a male, you must go serve in the army. That was the first war we ever watched on CNN. It was called Shock and Awe, and it looked sure. like Fourth of July fireworks. But people were getting rained down, and they were dying. That was my destiny. It wasn't for God's hand plucking my family out. So I'm grateful to be here, grateful to be anywhere. But anyway, um, I come from a good family, good, honest people. We went to church every Sunday. Did a lot of sitting and kneeling and standing and sitting. So a lot of calisthenics going on, but not much of getting the word. And long story short, it was December of 1991. 
I was in a rough spot. My parents were my heroes. I loved them. Their business had just failed and gone bankrupt. I just um, finished, I was finishing up school and getting a degree in electrical engineering. I was living with a girl that was not my wife and um, she decided she did not want to be with me anymore, but I couldn't afford to move out of her place. So she started leaving on dates while I was still living there. It sounds funny now, but it was brutal at the time. I thought I was going to marry this girl. And the same time, I, I didn't exactly take a gun and put it to my head, but it made perfect sense why someone would do that. Mm. And it was in that very, very month, I, I was invited to a pizza party and apartment complex in Arlington Heights, Illinois. <laughs> and I walked in that pizza party and a couple I never see in my life just darted up to me and said, do you know if you die right now, where would you spend eternity? Would it be heaven or would it be hell? And they were what I call like bold Christians. Yeah. I mm. known them for 11 seconds at that point. <laughs> and we need, we need more bold Christians. So anyway, they asked me that question. I said, nice to meet you too. Um, I said, no idea. I think maybe heaven. Why do you think that? Well, Never stole more than a pen from a hotel room, so I guess I'm an okay guy. But they said, would you want to know absolutely for sure beyond the shadow of a doubt? I said, who wouldn't? They said, and they said, here's the words that came out of their mouth. Come over our home, sleep on our couch, and come to church with us tomorrow. And I said, okay. And I did that, and um, we went to Oak Lawn Bible Chapel, uh, a small little church the size of this conference room probably. And so we're in this service, and it was a good service, and it was done. And the pastor asked me if I knew what it meant to be a Christian. And I went to, I love my Catholic brothers and sisters, but I went to Catholic high school. I went to Catholic university. And I was a good Catholic about an hour a week. I just didn't know what to do with the rest of the hours. Sure. So it wasn't always the best of choices. So anyway, um, he was done. He started to open the Bible and share with me things I never knew were in there. And he asked me to get on my knees and say a prayer. I said the prayer. I opened my eyes in complete disappointment. There was no fireworks. There was no thunder, no lightning. There was no dove on my shoulder. None of that stuff happened. <laughs> But um, at the end of the day, I left them. I never saw that pastor, that church, or that couple ever again. But that was December 29th, 91. I had plans on December 31st as a new single guy to go with my buddies to the bars in Chicago and go drink and womanize. That was my game plan. I went out, followed the plan, looked around, had no interest in anything, got a drink, took one sip, put it down, didn't want to drink anymore, and just leaned against the wall and talked to some guy about Jesus for a little while and left. And I, I knew I became a new creation. Like my pastor says, the old me was dead and new me lives instead. So how do you take that story forward? At what point in time? So, so how old were you at the point in time? I was 22. So December 9th, 2019, so what did you say? 2001. No, you said Nine. 1991. Excuse me, 1991. Yeah. So you were, you were 21 years old. Talk to us about at what point in time did you realize that this new faith in Jesus was to impact your whole, your whole world, including your work? Great question. So um, I went from, uh, I, I started going to church. I thought I was the first ever Christian in Michigan, never heard of it. <laughs> I opened up the yellow pages, tried to find a church and found one and just bounced around a little bit. But anyway, I, I was, um, I describe it as my journey of going from kindergarten to first grade as a Christian. It took me about 10 years. Then I went to a different church called Oakland Christian Church and my pastor's son just graduated from Bible college, came back home. He took me to lunch. This was, I was, this was uh, 13 years ago. I caught the most expensive lunch of my life. He asked me if I wanted to go on a mission trip with him to the Dominican Republic. And my, I don't know why, yes came on me, but <laughs> the, at first I was thinking, there's no way I can afford the time off. I can't afford the, in, the money. And I was in the Boy Scouts for a week. It was way too tough. I quit. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle a mission trip. But somehow I said yes. And um, I went, and it completely changed my life. I remember going to Oswa, Dominican Republic, and it was a town where the average person makes three bucks a day. And, He's preaching from a dusty platform onto a dusty, 
you know, dirt ground area, about 20,000 people gathered. I remember seeing these 20,000 people. Here's what struck me the most, is these people materially had no home to go back to, no idea where their next meal or glass of clean water was coming from, but they were just, tears of joy were just streaming down their cheeks because when you have, when you have nothing and then you have Jesus, you now have everything. Mm-hmm. And the ho- the, I felt the Holy Spirit before in bits and dabs, but I felt him so thick you can cut him with a knife. And, it, and that, you know, I, I describe it as I never tried crack or heroin or PCP, but I got addicted to that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was like, I, I became addicted to what that would look like. So I'm going on my 35th mission trip on Tuesday. I'm going to Peru to preach out there, and that's absolutely changed my life. And, yeah. so then, and here's the other thing, too. I've had people criticize me, mostly believers. What are you going there for? Have you talked to your cousin, your next door neighbor, or the mailman? And no, I have not. But when I go to those places, God gives me assignments to come back here and use him in my workplace. What's the assignment God has you on right now? What, what is the, what's the business tree that the Lord has you assigned into today? Amen. Thank you for asking. So it was around um, 12 years ago. I was preaching in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. And when I'm out there, I just kind of hear his voice more clear. And he gives me, he tends to give me assignments for things to do back here. So he gave me this assignment to start a virtual church on Monday mornings. Kind of a strange time for church. But um, I started doing it, and it's been 12 years. Every Monday morning, 8.30, am I, I, through a conference call, I preach a gospel message and a salvation prayer and pray a blessing. It was later revealed to me that Monday is the number one day of the week for heart attacks, for mm-hmm. strokes, for suicides, for occupants rates in hospital beds. And, and people in the workforce... They go to church on Sunday, but man, by Monday, anxiety and stress overtakes them. And by Monday, it's like Sunday night at 6 o'clock. You're like, oh, Monday's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you check them out online, hhcharitable.org, hhcharitable.org. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at I Work For Him and online, IWorkForHim.com.